welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. I left off saying multiple deaths happened when Jesus died. There's nothing man is afraid of like the fear of death. There's nothing a living being is afraid of, more afraid of than dying. <laughs> you know, because you're a living being, so you're afraid of cessation or termination of life. Every human being is afraid of dying. Naturally. Because dying means you stop living. And nobody wants to deal with stopping to live. And so most, most people have already bought their uh, burial spot in advance. They've uh, commissioned their epitaph, uh, headstone in advance, what, it wants, what they needed to carry, how they wanted to. Basically, you design how you want to go out. Since you realize that you must go out. Nobody wants to die, so if you, want, if you have to die, you try and die in style. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why in Africa, the first question is really actually usually when somebody dies, how did he die? Because we believe and very strongly that the manner of death determines the quality of death. Because you hear stupid things like, how would he just die like that? You know, die better die. Just, just, just died. Just died under a truck. Died. Because everybody's, everybody's concerned about dying. And that's the very question Jesus came to address. That's actually what Jesus came to address. That question, that fear of death. And so if anyone truly believes, Death is the farthest thing from your mind yes, and the farthest thing from your reality. Circumstances don't kill men. Hear me carefully, Paul says. Mm -hmm. It is appointed yes, unto men once to die. Key word, appointed. So death is an appointment, not a nuisance. Death is not a deviation. Death is not a punctuation. It's not a derailment. It's an appointment. 
Which is to say, contrary to popular opinion, death cannot just happen. It's not strong enough. He is not strong enough. Is not strong enough. It is appointed unto man. Revelation 6 and 7. You know, there are waters I'm careful to not stare just yet. Revelation 6 7. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. Watch this carefully, guys. Verse 8. So I looked and behold a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death. And hell, or Hades, followed with him. And power was given to the guy called death and the guy called Hades to kill. So death had to be given power to kill. Death is not the power to kill. Death is armed to kill. Because death is the harvester for eternity. If you will have conflicts or eat bread, grain has to be sickled out of the earth and processed. If men will come into eternal life or eternal extinction, they would have to be harvested and processed. It is appointed unto men once to die and then judgment. Death is an appointment. Death doesn't just happen. Are you here? It's the one thing Jesus came to address. He came to put death in its place. So that for the believer, death is not a nuisance. For the believer, death is not what you're afraid of. The spirit of death. The spirit of death is giving power to kill. And the spirit of death cannot be given power to kill a believer outside the appointed time. That's how I, Alexander Victor, know that I cannot die until I'm done. I can't. Because for the believer, judgment is that of works. I haven't completed my works. What am I coming to stand in front of you for judgment for? Is God confused? You give me work to do of my father. I have not, I'm not done with it. And you call me up because after that appointment, what comes next at the end of the ages is judgment. How can I be judged for works I haven't finished doing? Yes, 
So I can't die until I'm done. Once I'm done, I won't be a minute later. I'm gone. Oh, yes. Because the next thing that happens to a believer after he's done is to walk into error. Once you're done, I will leave you here. You start causing confusion. So go and check everyone that made a major mark as soon as they were done. They're given a little time to tidy their affairs and they're taken home. Check all the greats, all the God's generals. Check all of them. The medium doesn't matter. The appointment matters. And so one of the fastest ways to disarm the power of death is to understand that Death needs to be given power to take you. It cannot just take you. Simon, Simon. Satan has aggressively begged for us to hand you over to him. Excuse me. If he had such power... Why would he be begging? He could have just showed up with his three-pronged fork. Just carry Peter. And then we can get examples of people that Satan can just show up and take. Willy-nilly. But no, the dude comes to... I showed you the word, right? Yeah. He has desired, he has desperately pleaded. Mm-hmm. At least, at least give me Peter. Mm-hmm. But I have prayed for you. So what you're afraid of is absolutely powerless. Can't do you nothing until you're done. And I hear some of you trying to scheme of how to elongate your walk. <laughs> so you can live longer. Heaven knows your appointments are. Jesus came to deal with the death question. And he dealt with it so decisively. And such that it's, it's an aberration that the saints can be trapped in the power of death. Who has not been given power over them. Unfortunately, until and except they give it power. I'll come to that in a bit. Yeah, it's, 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 it's sad how much, how much believers are afraid of. Do you realize that a witch is a human being possessed by a spirit? Do you realize that a human being is only as powerful as the spirit that possesses them? Are you aware of what manner of spirit you are of? Do you realize that when a diviner starts to summon, what he's summoning is the spirit to whom he has yielded himself? In other words, spirits that he is possessed by that no witch, no wizard, no sorcerer, no diviner can summon a spirit that hasn't already possessed him. Because spirits work according to the bodies they possess. 
to share a little bit of demonology 101. Spirits walk according to the bodies they possess. So I cannot summon a spirit into operation that is not functional in my body. Does that make sense? That's why a witch is a normal person until they manifest. A witchcraft. You know, it's, it's you guys that keep thinking that witchcraft is, or witches are those people that are, are miserable and sell oranges by the junction. You have not met Wall Street, Silicon Valley witches. Never met medical doctors and surgeons and pilots and scientists as witches, as wizards. Do you understand that the word sorcery is from the word Greek word pharmakia, from which you get pharmacy, from which you get medicine? Pharmakia, pharma, K-E-I, pharmake. From which you get the word pharmacy, from which you get the word pharmacist. Because sorcery deals with using spirits or mediums to invoke potions into being active enough. Potions, mixtures. So really, anyone dabbling, hear me carefully. Anyone dabbling in mixtures of substances releases the activation of a spirit of sorcery. That's why somebody who mixes drugs and substances hardly has a regular life. Your head is twisted. Because you have unlocked the dimension of pharmacae. Sorcery, mixture of substances and potions. That's sorcery. So you cannot invoke what hasn't already possessed you. That is known as the principle of the anointing. It comes upon you from inside you. So a witch can have a regular day or night, depending on what class of witch they are. <laughs> you think, all oh, witches are in the night. You're joking. <laughs> You're joking. So what is, what, witches are human beings. There is no demon that is a witch. A demon is a demon. A foul spirit, right? A familiar spirit. That demon has to possess a willing body for the body to become a witch. Witches are humans possessed by certain spirits. Does that make sense? Yes, if you like, certain spirits that have specialized functions. Yes. So there's no spirits that is a witch or wizard. They're just foul spirits, familiar spirits. So for us to have a witch, we must have a willing body to receive that spirit that releases witchcraft because it's only the body that can conjure the spirit that it possesses. 
only the body can conjure the spirit that has possessed it. So outside a body, a spirit in the terrestrial is powerless. No spirit has the right to function in the earth outside a body. Not even God. You see why I had to put a spirit in you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then call you his body. Otherwise, Jesus going and being glorified would have been the end of his assignment in the earth. As they watch him go, that's it done. And that's what Satan hoped. Just carry your wahala and just go. So he had to send the lost Polakratos, he had to send his spirit into you. Then he tells you, now go. Before the spirit came, he said, stay. We, we eat you. You are powerless. He said, stay, Acts 1. He said, stay in Jerusalem, I think, verse 8, until you be endued with power from on high. Because without the spirit, you are not, you are means meat. Chew you up. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So until then, stay in Jerusalem. Lock yourself in one room. <laughs> Wait for spirit. Spirits are powerless in the terrestrial outside of a body. That's why they are so desperate for bodies. Oh, demons and God. Yeah, yeah. It's a war of bodies. It's a war of bodies. God is looking for who to possess. The enemy is looking for who to possess. That's why Jesus would tell that those his disciples. A, a demon is cast out of a man and he leaves the place empty. The demon circles and comes back and realizes, ah, this clean apartment we left. Comes back and, and Jesus says, Jesus, Jesus, says the demon brings seven others more wicked than it. Shebi, you left it vacant. I'm an agent. <laughs> I will supply seven to live in you. So there's no spirit that is a witch or wizard. There's human beings who by virtue of spirit possession walk in witchcraft. Necromancy, clairvoyance, sorcery, divination, enchantment. Point I'm trying to establish today heavily and strongly is that you are as powerful as the spirit that has possessed you. I'm preaching deliverance. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now the question is, what spirit has possessed you? What is the degree of the displacement or the weight or the potency of the spirit that has possessed you? 
How does the degree, you know displacement? You have a bowl of water and you drop a, a little thing into it. That, the amount of water that shifts, that establishes the displacement, the change in matter. That determines its weight. Does that make sense? You take a ton of, of gold or, or metal and drop into the same water and there's a splash. The level of disp displacement determines its value in weight. So whenever I'm teaching you guys and I use the word displacement, I'm referring to how much weight, how much matter does it scatter when it drops upon something. Does that make sense now? That, that determines its value. Or its weight. And you know, kabod for glory means weight. Dogza in the Greek for glory means weight. Kabod in the Hebrew. Dogza in the Greek. Both words translated glory refer to displacement in the spirit. So when you say the glory of God, you're referring to the essence of God. How much, that's why the writer will say mountains skip like ramps. Yeah. Yes, I, am, am I making sense? Yes, and your enemies flee like chaff before the wind. That's the level of displacement when God tries, tries to happen upon creation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's dogza. How much, how much eternity scatters that's what looks Isaiah 64 will say oh that that will rend the heavens the guy is just trying to converse with Israel and all of Mount Sinai is on fire yeah. and all through you see God desperately trying to reduce his volume yes. and engage with man and it never worked mountains quake and shake Every time God tries, because He's too much of God to interface with man. Meanwhile, the problem is all this plenty God wants to do is interface with man. You see the problem? So He sends a man. So if a human being is only as valuable and as powerful as the spirit that they possess, yes, and we know that what makes a witch a witch is the spirit of witchcraft or the spirit that sponsors witchcraft in her or him, and you're only as powerful as the spirit you possess, and you're possessed by the spirit of God, then what is the measure of your displacement in the earth versus that of a witch? Really, who should be running from who? Which we, we don't we see, listen, we don't pray about witches. We don't. We display so much more in the spirit than the largest witch ever could. Because ultimately, the largest, most notorious witch is possessed by a cheap stinking demon. If you put it in perspective like that, darkness will never intimidate you again. 
the most powerful juju priest. The most powerful herbalist. The most powerful spellcaster, sorcerer. Is possessed by a demon spirit. No matter how and there's some fearful ones. No matter how fearful, no matter how notorious. It's a demon spirit in there. It's not even Satan. It's not even Satan. For Judas to successfully do his ministry, Satan had to enter him. Satan. Satan did not delegate this to a demon. When it came to Jesus, Satan is like, no, 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 no. I got this. <laughs> this ain't no demon business. Judas left the presence and immediately Satan entered him. And it's not Satan in a witch. It's just, just a cheap, dirty, low-stinking demon. Their boss is begging Jesus to touch you. Their boss cannot touch you. But they can press you. Are you understanding me? Yes, Satan cannot touch you. Did he not build a hedge? You can you could hear how Satan was nagging. The anger in his mind in Job 1. You can feel it. You can, you can feel the pain. You can feel the pain. It's not you that build a hedge around him. Does he fear you for nothing? It's not because you have protected him. That means by the time Satan was speaking, the pain of how many times he had tried to touch Job, see no work. And then he comes to God, hoping to discuss other matters of less consequence. God in his humor. God in his comedy. Now say, hey, hey, how, how are you faring with Job? Because, I mean, he's the all-knowing God. He's seen Satan come repeatedly. They can't touch Joe. They did not build the edge around him. Remove the edge and see now. And this was Job who all he had was self-righteousness. Actually, what you would do more, you more, more accurately render moral uprightness. Because he wasn't exactly bound to the law. Job actually existed before the law. And yet, Satan couldn't do nothing with Job until God gave permission. And set the parameters and the boundaries beyond which the Satan could not go. 
And this was just in the matter of Satan versus servant. Satan versus servant. Job, servant of God. Not son. Not son. Then he tells his son in the promissory sense, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. And Satan can't touch you, but some silly, meat-wheat demons can attack you. And, and you know, as funny as it sounded, they say, level you get to attacks. Attacks. It's a very, very Pentecostal thing. You're not being attacked. You're not fervent in the spirit. The more you rise, the more you rise, the more they will attack. How does that make any sense? How? How does it make any sense? That my consciousness is burgeoning. You know when something burgeons, when something, something swells beyond control. My maturity, my consciousness is on, on such a level, gargantuan level. Mm-hmm. And it's at that level that I'll be attacked ah. by demons hey. that have not matured in their demonic yes, maturity. Because there's, listen, spirits are absolute. Yes, Spirits don't improve. A demon cannot be more wicked today than it was yesterday. That is why the believer that has the spirit has the perfection of God. And that is why spirit is the only way God can preserve you for eternity. That's why at adoption you would now receive an immortal or a spiritual body. That would then be the body that doesn't break, doesn't heal, doesn't feel pain, doesn't suffer weakness. You would do every physical thing you can do with your spiritual body and nothing ill can happen to it because spirits don't improve. They are in an absolute state of perfection. Same for demons. A spirit cannot be more wicked today than it was yesterday. That is the dimension. Oh, are you ready for this? That is, that's why I said, that's why God is making ultimate, you're going to be spirit, a spiritual body. Because that's the eternal nature of God. That was what God saw in these angelic beings that before creation, okay. he called them sons of God. Because these were angelic, which is to say spiritual beings. So they shared a communicable attribute of God, which is to say spirit, which is to say 
They are eternal. They are angels, but they, they are eternal in the sense that they don't die, they don't see pain, they don't get it the day off. They are, they are perfect in that sense. And that is a dimension of God's image that angelic beings had. They were spiritual. They were eternal. Even though they are not sons. So God will call them sons of God briefly. You in your human body are maturing and being sanctified on such an alarming rate. Such that you are handling better today. What you didn't handle so good yesterday. And you are handling that with the perfect spirit of God. If you are handling that, if you are getting better in the body by virtue of the renewing of your mind, infusion or confluence with the spirit of God that is in you, how then can a demon that is not getting better be able to attack you that is getting better? Do you understand the equation? Because if it is that, as I'm getting better, all the demons too are much, they, they are morphing. You know, all the demons are morphing. All the demons are also metamorphosing. All the demons are evolving. So their level of wicked, they are, they are becoming badder. They're becoming badder. But the baddest of demons ain't got nothing on the sun. Who hosts God? What nonsense. And all our vocabularies, demons and witches, exactly. and wizards and sorcerers and diviners and powers of darkness. He that is in you, do you believe? Do you believe it? He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Who is in the world? Who is in the world? The prince of this world. The spirit of this world that walketh in sons of disobedience. And he that is in you is greater than Satan. And if Jesus didn't spoil this, by spoil, make a mess of, then nothing will happen on the cross. Let me try and teach this thing. I'm still in my first line. Multiple deaths happened when Jesus died. <laughs> he died physically, that's one. Yeah, we say it a lot in this house. He did not faint. He, he, he died. He died. Matthew 27 and 50. Matthew 27, 50. Are you learning anything tonight? Can one change their appointment with death? I believe I've answered that sufficiently without terms of yes or no. And the scripturally equivocal answer will be no. It takes you back to willingness consciousness. So your appointment is this, and you say, no, it's not this, it's, it's that. And you say, oh, but Hezekiah, as a type of what? As a type of what? As a type of the forecoming resurrection. Hezekiah's story is the exact same picture as Lazarus' story. Yes. Same. 
Hezekiah died and was given another life in the same way that Abraham killed Isaac. As far as God was concerned, from Hebrews 11, you see that from whom he received him back from the dead, figuratively. Let's go there, Hebrews 11. So no, you don't realize it. Isaac died. 17 to 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he, who is I, who referring to Abraham now, who had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son. So if God had not accepted Isaac, yes, he could not have accepted Jesus. Yes, yes, sir. Sir. yes, sir. yes, sir. yes sir. Because only begotten son yes, 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 yes. was Jesus. Yes. Only begotten son Isaac was second born because Ishmael was first. Yes. Only begotten son was Jesus because Adam was first. And the promise is not reckoned in Ishmael, just like it's not reckoned in Adam. So as always, he will take away the first to establish. Always. Ishmael must go, always, always. Great guy and everything, but... Must go. Must go. Adam lived 930 something years and he died. He died. He died. So if you know, there would have been a problem with the example if Isaac wasn't accepted. If Isaac were spared, then there would have been one hope or the other that somewhere on the cross or in the garden or Gethsemane or somewhere, that's how Jesus prayed that prayer and cried those tears that he could have been spared. So yes, Isaac comes down from the mountain with a whole other life than he went up with. Because the life Abraham took to give God of Isaac was received. Look at this. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, go on, of whom it was said, in Isaac shall your seed, in Isaac, Isaac is not a seed, in Isaac shall your seed be called, come on, 19, concluding, Abraham concluding, that God was able to raise Isaac up, even from the dead, from which, which, which there's dead, from the dead of which he also received him in a figurative sense. So God collected the sacrifice called Isaac, consumed it, and then gave Isaac to Abraham. 19, give us a few modern translations. TPT, the message, uh, NLT, whatever. Abraham's faith made it logical to him that God could raise Isaac from the dead, and symbolically. Mm-hmm. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, 
Abraham did receive his son back. I see that came down wasn't the dude that went yes, Abraham figured that if God wanted to, he could raise the dead in a sense. That's what happened when he received Isaac back alive from off the altar. Because that would have been God rejecting the perfect sacrifice. Yes. And you say, yeah, 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 Isaac was a human being and he, he couldn't have been the lamb. Yes, but he was a tithe. Because if this had happened in the garden, Jesus would have had an antecedent. He would have been able to tell God when he was praying in the garden. But you see, you didn't quite accept Isaac. So what's it with me? It's with Isaac. So. <laughs> but he accepted the sacrifice. Bringing Lazarus back to life in John 11 was a type because Jesus introduced why he went to Lazarus' tomb. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. So he went there to restore Lazarus to human life as a token that he can bring you into eternal life. It's the same example typified with Hezekiah. Your time has come, but I can give life. I can give you a quality of life that exceeds your human life. So as a token, take 15 years. Well, it wasn't a prayer point. You should be praying for extension of life. It's a type. It's a type. Like Hebrew says, a type. If God can, want, can extend life, can give life, he can. He can. That's why it's the diciest, oh God, help me, whatever the hell. And I said this, I can't remember if it was in Christ Conscious Believer or somewhere. Is the dice, I think it's Christ Conscious Believer, or yeah, or, or, or UTG, is the diciest of miracles. You can't just get up Jesus and raise the dead. Come down. Everything about God's eternal plan is hinged on raising the dead. So you can't just be going around and just raising everybody back to life and just raising the dead. No, it's symbolic of God's eternal plan. So God will only allow the raising of the dead where it is an express symbol of his ability to give eternal life. Don't just go around and raise the dead. Can you read? Yes, yes, but God is not obligated yes, to respond to your every prayer. Yes, Do you realize that it's not everybody that died in the time of Jesus that he rose back to life? Yes, has, has anybody ever thought about yes, it? Yes, because if, if that's how it was meant to be, then as nobody would have died in the three years of Jesus' ministry. Nobody. Nobody. Can you die when Jesus is here? The resurrection and the life is here. And you are dying? How dare you die? <laughs> you don't have respect. But Jesus lived in the earth and folks died. Because he was not about to go around and just raising everybody back to life. They were tokens. So till today, if God allows a person to be raised back to human life, it's to show a token to a people. Not to prove that a man of God is mighty. Not to prove that a man of God is mighty. Do you understand this now? Yes, sir. So, oh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel, no, 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 no. 
It's an appointment. Jesus met his. He saw it coming. He said, from that moment on, he began to talk to them how the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem. Be given up and die and resurrect. Yeah. Is that clear? Let me try and teach this thing again. <laughs> Matthew 27 50. Jesus died physically. Are you growing? How can a son of God not be able to stay delivered? Your deliverance needs to stop up. Recharge. Cast out devils from your father's house. The ones in the mother's house are like, yay, it's our turn now. <laughs> We're jumping. We cast them out. The ones from the TV are like, yay, it's our turn now. Attack. And demons can enter you from your dream. And we are teaching things the scriptures don't teach. Jesus died physically. Matthew 27, 50. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And this is not Holy Spirit. The spirit here would be breath. Yeah. He stopped breathing. Not breathing. Clearly, he didn't stop breathing because we are here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you stop breathing, then him. <laughs> no, no, no. Jesus, Jesus is breathing. <laughs> so to give up his spirit would be to stop breathing. Can we see a few uh, modern translations? TPT message 2550. Jesus shouted out again, then he and he released his spirit. Mm -hmm. He took his last breath and gave up his spirit. Jesus crying out loudly, breathe his last. Does that, does that make sense? Which is to say that he died. Acts 2 and 23. That's Matthew telling you Jesus died. You know sometimes when you don't, don't take things for granted. John just assume that yeah, yeah, he died. Let's see the scriptures telling us unequivocally that he died. This Jesus... This is Peter speaking on yeah. him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands, have crucified. And what did they do to Jesus? Put to death. Jesus, say with me, Jesus, Jesus was, put to death. was put to death. Yes. Did he I'm emphasizing this because there's religious sections. That postulate conspiracy theories that Jesus did not die. And those conspiracy theories, guess who started them? The Jews. Remember? Because on resurrection morning, soldiers were passed out. They called the soldier. How? They did, how? 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 They, they paid them, the scripture says. Paid them to say he did not resurrect. The disciples came and stole his body. It's a scripture. That's where it started from. That conspiracy theory that starts to cast aspersions on the actual resurrection of Jesus. Because if he did not die, 
how could he have resurrected? He just played dead. But a Roman centurion came to the guy on the left and broke his legs. And he died. Asphyxiation. Break your legs, your lungs collapse on the cross, and you die. Come to the guy on the right side, broke his legs, his lungs collapsed, he died. Then came to Jesus, the star of the show, to break his legs so that he might also die, only to find out that he had breathed his last and was dead. And the Roman centurion standing by the cross. That's why it's important to know the particulars of the death of Jesus. The Roman centurion standing, standing by the cross confesses, surely this was the Son of God. Sounds a bit of an obituary if you ask me. Jesus died, man. Acts 5 and 30. Acts 5 and 30. Jesus was put to death. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you. Whom you. Murdered. Now, when you murder someone, they don't faint. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just, I killed that guy, he fainted. <laughs> no, he was murdered. First Corinthians 15.3. For I presented to you that which I first received, First Corinthians 15.3. How that Christ died. He died. Say he died. 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 For our sins, which is to say, he died with our sins. He died for our sins. He died with our sins. He died us. Number three, he we died with him. Multiple deaths. He died physically, died with our sins. Three, we died with him. That's why death cannot have power over us. We died with him since he died as us. Mm. Do you get that? If the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all, and he died, then we all died. Romans 6 and 8. Romans 6 and 8. Now, if we... You see that? So did we die with him? Mm -hmm. We died with him. We believe that we shall also live with him. Galatians 2.20 I, Alexander... Have been crucified with Christ. 
has anybody ever thought in the remotest form that this could have been a symbol of why it was not just Jesus' cross the day he died? A couple of people accompanied him to die, to be crucified. Because Jesus was special enough. Jesus was notorious enough. Jesus drew enough news and press to be crucified alone. Jesus was a big deal enough to have a special day dedicated to his death exclusively, not with two seeming non-entities. Has it occurred to you that that is why that guy is saying, as I'm dying with you now, remember me in your kingdom. And this other guy who is there, who has no discernment, still has his sins paid for. Because it's part of the world that the Lamb of God is taking away the sins of. So right there, you are seeing somebody crucified with him who is like, you know, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, it's an honor to die with you. Just, just remember me. And that person like, what the hell? Literally, because you can't even save yourself. You can't save us. In that way, we were still sinners. So them two guys were not just there for decoration. It was just some random, yeah, 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 okay. They happen to be three today. Let's just kill them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eternal prophetic agenda. Eternal prophetic agenda. Yes, sir. So Paul will look at that and say, I have been crucified with Christ. Anywhere you look at it, I have been crucified with Christ. No, in die. It would have been difficult for us to see that if it was just the one cross. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I have been crucified with Christ. I have. So I am with him in paradise. It's interesting <laughs> that Johnny, <laughs> somebody is dying the same way Jesus is dying, but he knows he's dying, he's paying nothing for him. He's bleeding out, he's dying the same way that Jesus is dying, but he knows it's not my work, so it's not my dying. Like, <laughs> you just die well. Eh? <laughs> We're all, we're, we're all dying but you you die well because as you die well I'm in the kingdom so his blood was shed but not for nothing no, 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 no. 
That's just nothing. It's, but it's this, it's this, this guy, this, this one. So we're crucified with him, but his, his, his blood paid. Not ours. Not our works. His blood paid. And our faith that he transmitted. I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. So you can have that picture. Of them two crosses. I died though. I died. Put it, put it up. Galatians 2.20. Are you learning anything? I died with him. And the picture is there for all to see. Galatians 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ. So you see the same Isaac principle. You see the same Hezekiah principle. You see the same Lazarus principle. You see it in your own life. You died, but, but you live. You, 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 you were crucified with Christ. You died with him, yet you are alive. Yes, but you notice that the day you got born again or the day you accepted Jesus, the, the breeze didn't blow differently. The sun didn't shine differently. But yet, what you are living life now is a new life. Your skin didn't get brighter. Your weight didn't get... But it's a new life. And nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, that live, because I also successfully died. And the life which I now live in the flesh, this life, this life, this life that doesn't look like my skin tone changed when I was regenerated, this life that my tonality and my accent didn't change when I accepted Jesus, this, this life that I may, I may still have a scar or a tattoo that will not go away, but it is a new life. For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He might wear the same clothes he wore before he got regenerated, but he is a new creation. His accent might look the same. His, his appearance might look the same. She might walk the same, but guaranteed. Because he did not come to improve your life. He came that you may have life. It's come that you may have a life you never had in the flesh. In the flesh. In the flesh. This life. This life. This life you're living now in the flesh. You never had it before you received Jesus. You live in the same compound, you know, you, 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 you never had this life. You have the same brothers, the same sisters, the same father, mother, but you never had this life. This life was given, hence it is called a regeneration. Hence it is called a new birth. They are chasing after demons from your father's house. They don't know that you changed father's house. 
But it's difficult for you to accept because your address is still your father's house. And your surname is still your father's house. You think Paul was just messing about when he said in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. So your Nigerian international passport now is a token to explain to you how citizenship works. It doesn't define you. So this is an I, this is your passport. And then you are you have, you, you traveled abroad, right? You traveled abroad. Yeah. You you know you you went to Dubai, you went to the US, you went to Toronto, whatever, and you and you and, and then you're back, and then you're in the you're in the, the arrival hall in Abuja airport, named Ezekiel or Lagos, and you're in the queue. It's beautiful to come back to Nigeria because when you when you when you go abroad, they treat you like nonsense. In, in some countries, they write aliens. I'm not joking. I had aliens card for three years. Aliens. So you can see aliens, citizens. Okay. In the Maida climbs, foreigners. And in, in really, really patriotic countries, non-nationals. And nationals. So when you reach, you look at your green passport. You know that you are either an alien, a foreigner, or a non-national. And you just see the nationals just flying past. Just flying past. Hardly getting checked. Just getting stamped. You see them break a smile on their faces. Oh, welcome back. Welcome home. You had a good trip. You, they look at you. And you know, I, I had to learn to start wearing like a badge because they look at you and they be like, could you step aside for a moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it coming. Yes. Yes. Check whatever you want. So what do you have in the bag? I don't have time to answer you. What do I have in the bag? What, what will a traveler have in his bag? I have what travelers have. So no, I didn't say she was zipping. You might as well check it yourself, officer. Right, have a great time wherever you're going. When we're coming back to Nigeria, Oh my God. Now I'm the national. And our own immigration, they have no chill. Cop that. Look at you like, eh, hey, Oyibo. You don't come. <laughs> you, 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 oh my God. It's so much fun. So now I'm in my national line. And I'm telling the immigration member, give them. Do them. You don't come. What did you bring for us? I said, oh, I don't understand what you're talking about. Ma, this is the Federal Republic of Nigeria. There is how we do things here. I have not met those guys. I've not met those guys. Now, you're the one who's afraid of entering my country. I have my green passport with the coat of arms. I'm on the right line. Nationals. And you see, the interesting thing about coming back to Nigeria is whether I was deported, whether I killed somebody, whether America is looking for me, 
whether I have where to stay inside the Nigeria, it does not matter at the port of entry. Yes, sir. Bros, you don't come. Now, so we see you. How journey? Thank God. Anything for the boys? Another time. Country hard. Now, all of us, did they do? I know all my answers. Anyhow you play it, I'm ready for you. Once we play that conversation, you stamp my passport, and the person at the immigration desk cares not where in Nigeria I'm going. You see this Oibo? If he cannot articulate where he's ending up, he can be detained there. But because my citizenship is Nigeria, I am not believing God to enter Nigeria when I come home. Why is a believer? Philippians 3.20. Put it up. Let me show you your international passport. For what? From which we what? Also how? So you are carrying a passport that guarantees you are a citizen of heaven and you are praying to make it to heaven when when you come to nigerians line you are not praying to be admitted will it not be foolishness to have nigerian passports in a lagos airport arriving and you are praying in tongues in a who can I bribe? Who can I sow to in this place? Who can I so that they will not refuse me entry? The officer there was his name. What does he like? Oh, let me bring him something. Because it's how they will not allow me to. You have a valid. You, see, we have sent people to Nigeria on expired passport. There's something called a travel certificate you collect for your country that shows your passport number. And once we put you in a plane, Nigeria will accept you. Nigeria cannot refuse in Nigeria any country. In fact, now if you are chasing an American citizen now for a crime and he manages to get to Abuja and steps into the perimeter of the American embassy and shouts, I'm an American. He's an American. You can't touch him. The American embassy in any country is America. It's American soil. If a Nigerian soldier steps on American embassy land, he will be shot. Yes, sir. He'll be shot. And at that point, the consular office is not interested in, I'm guilty, I'm innocent, I did it, I didn't did it. You're American, you're covered. Yes, sir. And Jesus will look at the Pharisees and say, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father? How can you tell me that Bubu's regime can be more trusted to look after Nigeria's citizens than God can be trusted to give eternal life to those who believe in And we are carrying a passport that guarantees that we are nationals. If you who are evil, Nezuda has heavenly citizenship. You are standing, you are not sure if they will admit you. You are not sure if you did enough. 
to qualify. You're not, you're not sure. I don't speak my father's language. I don't speak, I speak a little bit of my mother's language. But I'm Nigerian. I have my passport. I'm going to enter here. Yes, sir. Or something will happen here in this place. Like this. What's, what's your name, bros? See, see. That will be your attitude. If you throw that, is it my fault that you have not traveled from this desk? Is it my fault? You understand? Because you, you, can, you cannot deport me from Nigeria. Even if you end up arresting me, you will arrest me into Nigeria. Is that not so? The detention room you will take me to in the airport is inside where? Last, last. All Nigeria, no, Nigeria. And a believer is subjected to believing God to receive what has been guaranteed them from the beginning. Oh, no. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. 2 Timothy 2.11 Has anybody getting anything today? 2 Timothy 2.11 This is a faithful saying for if we die we shall also live So did we die with him? Second Corinthians 5.14 We died with him. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, or this is how we judge, yeah. that if if one capital O died for all, then how many died? <laughs> I love it. Stay here in the 14, give me a few more translations. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means... Oh, if he died, we died. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died. Number four, our sins died with him. On him. Isaiah 53, 6. For the Lord has laid upon him the iniquities of us all. Isaiah 53 and 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Ezekiel 18 and 20. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor shall the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. And the Lord laid upon him the iniquities of us all. So this scripture is fulfilled. All, I told you in one previous teaching, all generations, the sin of the world for all generations, sons, fathers, and unborn, summed up together on what Jesus took. That's the only way God could punish sin. Yes, sir. God punished all generations of sin simultaneously. Yes, sir. One fell swoop. 
Sin was dealt a very, very bad hand. Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23. We died with him since he died as us. Number four, our sins died with him on him. For the wages of sin is death. But you know, there are things that there's some things I have not taught. But when I touch the scripture, something jumps. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God's only response to sin is death. If you say you die. There is no mercy for sin. There's only judgment. God's response to sin is death. The sinner must die. That's why repentance is not a prerequisite for forgiveness. You can't cry your way to forgiveness. You must die. Or someone. The wages, the payment for sin is death. Somebody must die. So the death of see the death of Jesus. Eternal payment for sin. That's why nobody, hey God, will go into eternal damnation because of sin. Will people go into eternal damnation? Unfortunately, yes. That's it. Was true to scripture. No matter how we want to try and nice it up. Yeah. Open a free restaurant. Make Krispies. You know how Krispies is surging now? Yeah. Make Krispies right now free. Some people in Calabar will still be too proud yeah, yeah. to go in and eat for free. Yeah. They can't afford it all. Make it free. They are not still going to go. Same principle. Number five. I got to finish this. We died to the law. I like this one. One of the deaths that we died, that happened when Jesus died. That's our death to the law. Our terrible ex-husband. Vindictive ex. Cannot help us. Does not want to let us go. And has nothing to give us when we eventually go. All we can do is say thank you for at least showing us our real husband. Yeah. You were not entirely useless after all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in, in that regard, you're actually holy and righteous and just. Yeah. You did your job. It was just we that were upset because we thought you were going to love us, but you were just a guardian to take us to the one that would actually love us. So, yeah. That's why we're not fighting our ex. Romans 7, 46. Therefore, my brethren, oh, this is good news. You also have become dead to the law. I like it. Through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another. You may be married to him who was raised from the dead. 
that we should bear fruit to God. Five. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Six. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. We died to the law. And because the law was always arming sin, as we died to the law, next one, we died to sin. All this in the singular death of Jesus. Romans 6 and 2. We died to sin. 6 and 2 and then 10 and 11. Romans 6 and 2. Say, I died to sin. I died to sin. First one says, shall we continue? Therefore, shall we say these things? Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound? Certainly not. Certainly not. Certainly not. Certainly not. Certainly not. Certainly not. And that's not because we're trying to work it, but because we died to see. How shall we who died to sin? So... And people think that the message of the grace of God downplays sin. It doesn't downplay sin. It just doesn't pay attention to it because we died to it. How shall we, who died to sin, live any longer in it? 10 and 11. For the death that he died, he, Jesus, died to sin once and for all. Uh, the death that Jesus died, he died to sin. Once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Died to sin, lived to God. 11. Likewise, as with Jesus. Because we died with him. So in the same vein, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm dead to sin, alive to God. That's, that's my reality. I'm dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus. I am dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus. I am dead to sin, alive to God. In sin cannot have dominion over me. For I am not under the law, but under grace. In the name of Jesus. We died to sin. Number seven, that also means, therefore, that our old man died. Multiple deaths. Romans 6, we're still in Romans 6, Romans 6 and 6. There's one more and then I'll, I'll stop here. <laughs> Romans 6 and 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Yes. That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. Our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Number eight on the last. He destroyed in that death on the cross. He destroyed the power of death. I mean, he died physically. He died with our sin. We died with him. Our sins died with him on him. We died to the law. We died to sin. Our old man died by now, death should die. 
right? Yeah. I mean, death itself, just knowing how much it has been put through. She just find somewhere. Who's that? Respect yourself, dude. And just Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. It destroyed the power of death. Destroyed the, that's why I see death has no power over you. Destroyed the power of death. We are not afraid of death. Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise, shared in the same flesh and blood. Why? Because only flesh and blood can die. So he partook of flesh and blood that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is 15. And release Can you feel it? He was a modern translation. 15. By embracing death, Jesus sets free those Oh, I'm afraid of dying. Afraid of death. Spirit of death. Spirit of death. The fear of death. The energy of death. Put the scripture back up. By releasing, embracing death, Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting dread of death. And freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. Go back to 14 in the message. Go back to 14. It's a good place to stop. Since the children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to, in flesh and blood, rescue the children by his death. By embracing death, taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death. He was amplified in 15. And that he might free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in slavery throughout their lives. So, you see why I, I sounded as aggressive as I've sounded? But how believers can be afraid of death? It's the very thing he came to spoil. So you see how sin has no power over you? Death has no grip on you. Destroy it. Destroyed it. He destroyed it. Jesus' death was not passive. It wasn't passive. See verse 16, Hebrews 2:16. His dying ensured our death, and the power thereof was killed in him. Our death and the power of death was killed in him. Hebrews 2.16 God is for you who goes that way. For indeed he does not give aid to angels but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. What was the aid? Bringing him back from the dead 
and thus destroying the power of death. So death has no hold on you. <laughs> Philippians 1.21 Paul will therefore say, for me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. For me to die is not loss. Because death is just the reaper for eternity. And because it's appointed, I can't just die. I cannot. I can't. And these guys began to see it in the promissory says when they will say stuff like, I shall not die, but leave to declare the works of the Lord. Death has no power to take me. Death has to be given to take me. And that is why when death is given power to take me, it is what? Gain. Not loss. For a believer, death is not loss. Oh, death is great gain. So Paul will say, ah, absent from the body. It's present with the Lord. It's present with the Lord. We don't, we don't need special plans to die. Our death is on him. Just like our life is on him. And we ain't going nowhere until the works for which we are going to receive judgment in the body. Because you'll be judged for works done in the body. That's what the scripture says. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Not for works done in the spirit. Yes, sir. You'll be judged for works done in the body. Yes, sir. In this life. In this flesh. You take me off, what do you want me to account for? Can you blow the whistle when the game has not ended? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me time. How is it time? And that's why it's important to be found Pursuing the will of your father. Because yes, yes, it guarantees you earthly relevance until you are done. Yes, <laughs> Did you hear what I said? Yes, Pursuing the will of your father does what? Guarantees you earthly relevance until you are. Ain't nobody going to be able to touch you. Until you're done. Don't pray, Father, preserve my life. You are, you are useful to his kingdom agenda in the earth. It is God's interest to keep you until you're done. It's God's interest. You don't understand? Dead people don't help God on the earth. So it's not you praying for, for God to elongate your life. It is God's business that will suffer if you die anyhow. Yes! Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So now to him who is able to keep. Yes, sir. Chasing God's business, you, you have guaranteed eternal earthly relevance. Earthly. You are not going anywhere till you're done. Because there's a light bulb that will go off that the kingdom cannot afford. 
cannot afford it. So like your other brother, you must walk the works of him who sent you while it is day. You must, you must, you must. Work the works. Be about your father's business. Be about your father's business. Ain't no devil going to be able to touch you. And while everyone is running around witches, witches are running from you. That's your reality. They are running from you. Have you seen it clearly now? They're running from you. And we spend all our lives chasing witches, wizards. When just even in what you know, you see white witchcraft, black witchcraft, and black witchcraft knows that even white witchcraft is superior. If among themselves they understand the hierarchy of power, what will make them come against a believer? Human beings like you. You're operating by spirits, and they know you have a superior spirit. I said, I repeat what I said on Sunday, you have the spirit of their boss. Their boss. That's why it's, oh, see, witches were banned in Israel. Saul had lost the king, he had messed up. The moment he's even, first of all, the moment he leaves the throne and starts chasing David around like a headless chicken. For 13 years, you know that this soul doesn't have any sense. You left the throne, left the palace, entered the wilderness, spent 13 years chasing a boy. Is that a normal, normal person? Then they said, wipe all the Amalekites. God hated Amalek because Amalek was a type of sin. Amalekites were a type of the wickedness that God intended to judge in Jesus. So, so God never negotiated with Amalek. So you, you know what you read? How can God be so wicked and ask to exterminate an entire race? It's because you don't understand that that race represented everything God was against. So that's what God's personal hatred for Amalek. Wipe them out, including animals. Yes. Don't let anything in Amalek survive. Yes. I want to wipe Amalek from the face of the earth like I want to wipe wickedness from the face of the earth. Yes. And how will I do that? By the shedding of blood. Yes, that's what the Amalek story was about. And then Saul goes, who will do this wiping? The king. And God had warned them when they asked for a king. Okay, Sha. Okay, you want king. Okay. This king. Let this king be a type until the king. And the job of the king is to wipe out infirmity, iniquity, wickedness. That's your job as a king, by the shedding of blood. You are king priest. You are king prophet. That's why it's Samuel's anointing. He prophesied with the prophets. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Identifying what upon him? The spirit. Because only by the spirit can a man prophesy. And so when Saul was anointed, Samuel told him, you will meet a band of prophets prophesying. And once you see them, you will prophesy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So Saul was, was validated by the spirit of prophecy. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. 
the testimony of Jesus. Saul was a king. He was supposed to be a king after the order of which Jesus will come. But here's your first thing as a type and shadow. Go and wipe out wickedness. Destroy all of Amalek. And he does it. And Samuel comes into the camp. And he says, meh, meh. So Samuel said, have you done what God said you should do? He said, yes. Samuel, very interesting story. Samuel asks, and I quote, what then is the bleating of sheep that I'm hearing? <laughs> Jonathan, not some random one. Mary had a little lamb. Meh, meh, meh. What is the bleating of sheep I'm hearing? Here's Saul's stupid response. I killed everything, oh. But I saw this sheep was nice. And now I thought, since your God will need it for sacrifice. Let me keep it to sacrifice to your God. That was when Samuel told Saul, obedience. And then Samuel turns to go and Saul catches his garment and he tears. And then Samuel says, as you have torn my garment, so has God torn the kingdom from you and given to another. That was the day that Jesus became the son of David. Otherwise, what would have been screaming? Jesus, thou son of Saul. The kingdom was torn. Because when a king was given, it was an everlasting kingdom. Spirit leaves him. I'm telling you how what is in you is the spirit of the boss of witches and demons. Spirit leaves Saul. Saul is now, and the Bible says he's an evil spirit from the Lord tormented. Saul knows he has lost the kingdom, but he's desperate. He starts going around looking for a medium, a witch, a diviner. Because now Samuel is dead. And there's nobody to speak for him. And Saul is desperate to hear from God. And they now told him, one witch survived. In Endor. And Saul disguised himself, put on a disguise, and located that witch. I told you on Sunday how human beings were killing witches. Yes. Not the other way around. Yes. Regular people were killing witches. Located the witch. I said the spirit is in you. Is a superior spirit. Is the spirit of the boss. Saul finally locates the witch in Endo. And says, conjure me a spirit. And she says, first of all, after the whole guarantee that Saul will not hurt her. And Saul, she says, what spirit do you want me to call up for you? And Saul says, call up Samuel. And of course, she divines. And she brings up a familiar spirit after the order and appearance of Samuel. Who says, why are you disturbing me? And Saul speaks. And right there, God hijacks yes. the familiar yes. spirit yes. 
to speak his counsel to Saul, who is the boss of the witches. I hope with these few points. You went to look for a witch and you met the counsel of God in the witch. Isn't that explaining to you who the witch's boss is? And the witch can trouble you? Not anymore. A people is rising who understand how much displacement they carry in the spirit. Yes. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, yes. yes. You make it so uncool to be a witch. Oh yeah. You're like, witchcraft, witchcraft. No, no, I can't do that no more. Because a, 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 a group of sons are rising that understand their place. This is a good place to close. Pray in the Holy Ghost. It'd be nice to do that with a smile on your face. Because you know a witch is nothing. An idol is nothing in this world. <laughs> An idol is nothing. Come on, give him praise in here tonight. You know, Jesus sent out the 70 in Luke 10. And he was 17. He said the 70 returned with joy. Luke 10, 17. The 70 returned with joy, saying what? Lord. And the Holy Spirit had not yet moved into them. Jesus then says to them in the next verse. We're going to verse 19. Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, his defeat was so colossal. To have men like this chasing out demons. What Jesus interpreted that to be was Satan falling like lightning from heaven. Like, boof. Because 70 men who went at the anointing that was on Jesus. Had demons subject to them in his name. Yes. Then Jesus said in verse 19. It says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. And do you believe this? Over all the power of the enemy. All. All the dunamin of Satan. Everything Satan can manufacture. You trample on it. Nothing can by any means hurt you. Demon subjects to you in his name. In his name. And his name now lives in you. We're casting out demons. We don't. We don't negotiate. No power. Power doesn't negotiate. At all. At all. 
out in the name of Jesus. You're free in the name of Jesus. Don't negotiate. You don't fight. We have authority over all the power. All the power. You get home and your house looks funny. Just get up and walk around. You, you, you. You, you are the token. You. Not, not something you pause, really. You, you, walk around. Walk around. Let the sole of your feet step upon it. The blessing is in you. Say the blessing is in me. Yeah, say, say I have the blessing. The blessing is resident in me. Yes, walk around. Like a dog marking his territory. Walk around. Come on, pass. It's not what you sprinkle. It's what he has sprinkled. Yeah. You know, he says you have come to the blood of And we thank you for all you've done. Thank you for victories won. Thank you for qualities of life changing from this moment on. Thank you for the paralysis of the work of the enemy in our lives as sons of God. We give you all the glory, all the thanks, and all the praise. Amen, amen, amen. I could go another three hours talking about death, but death is dead. And it has no hold over you anymore. Announce it as you go to everybody. Announce it loud and bold and strong. Death has no power over me. My elder brother spoiled it dead destroyed death and hell and the grave yes, sir. and I'm free and who the son makes free yes, free. Free. Free well that's it for today's teaching we trust it has been worth your time for more of these messages from our stables kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device for inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at while the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.